hello again and welcome. This is episode five of Kicking and Streaming. I am your host, John Lake. Your other host is sitting across from me in my bedroom. It's a much better sound atmosphere. He's wearing an artsy t-shirt with different frames of cool pictures on it. It's, it's one of those Gap t-shirts, I think, that just looks so cool. It looks like it, you yeah. definitely got it in like one of those three for 15 deals. I, my aunt uh, gave it to me for Christmas. That's how I get all of my J. Crew and Gap and Banana Republic clothing. This is yeah. Kevin Hill. Yes, hello. I feel like you did not respond to uh, that ant comment there. I was just trying to. I was trying to get your name in, man. I, I like the recognition. I don't want to. I don't want to delay the people from yeah. giving them what they want. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on those three brands? I mean, classic. Say it again. Sorry, Gap, American Gap, Eagle. No, no, Gap, no, not American Eagle. I haven't worn American Eagle since I was fourteen. All right, I probably um, wore it a little bit more recently than that anyway <laughs> uh no oh man we're, we're already getting into uh, a kerfuffle over, over clothing here. <laughs> a kerfuffle uh, a kerfuffle a real real not an argument a kerfuffle i think kerfuffle is pre-argument what you'd say what were what were the brands they were gap banana republic and j crew see i don't feel like banana republic and j crew are that far departed from american eagle but what are you really? asking me what are you asking me of those three brands just a general. Do you wear them? What I'm, do you think of them? I was. Does your aunt also give you them for Christmas? J Crew. I'm not currently wearing J Crew, but mm-hmm. I, I got a couple articles of clothing from J Crew for this Christmas that I've worn uh, mm-hmm. and gotten compliments on, and I've incorporated seamlessly into my wardrobe, which is something I really appreciate. So I definitely, mm-hmm. I I, uh, I ride for J Crew. Um, you know, I got a couple cool things at Gap in the fall, so yeah. I, I can't hate on them. And no. then. Uh, what was the last one? Banana Republic. Banana Republic. You know what? The only thing from Banana Republic that I had I ever wore with regularity was a five-piece set of underwear my mom bought me like mm. five years ago. Wow. Do you they still have underwear. the underwear? You know what? They were they were more. It was more than five years ago because this yeah. was it was a few cycles of underwear ago. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Did, I don't yeah. still have them. I go through underwear. I probably have. I probably go through like. 15 pairs of underwear a year yeah i think i like to i it's like uh i don't know it's a it's a rotating cast and like as as an under pair of underwear gets older you know the, mm-hmm. the band gets a little more stretched out a little more crackly and crinkly it moves further back mm-hmm. in the uh the old top drawer right here yeah <laughs> i'm definitely um i don't mean to get too graphic but i'm definitely wearing like a daryl hammond or bobby moynihan <laughs> Oh, of uh, boxers right now. Have to, should probably leave the cast, and they're a little too long. <laughs> Pair of underwear. There were some new cast members brought in. Chris Red and uh, other cast members were brought in recently over Christmas, and I really think we should get rid of uh, the Bobby Moynihan I'm wearing right now. Once you go through, a, uh, once you do your laundry, yeah, you bring out the Chris Reds and the and the. Um... Uh, who, am I, who am I thinking of? Um, Whoever, Kyle Mooney. Yeah. You know, the new guys. The well, Kyle Mooney's, Kyle Mooney's now, he kind of is a good pair. I have a black pair of Hanes. You that, got a, uh, a nice black pair of Hanes. Yeah, that's Kyle a Kyle, that's a Kyle, very reliable. A go-to um, now. Yeah, very, yeah. It, n- nothing's, nothing's stale yet with those, that no, Kyle Mooney pair of no, underwear. No, they're pretty, they're pretty solid. That's good. There's a weird thing um, my mom used to do uh, when I was a kid. I don't know if your mom did this. When I was a kid, she would buy boxers and socks you know like as gifts but what she would do is she would say like oh here you go here's the boxers and socks and then give me like 
if it was like a six pair of socks and like a three pack of boxers. She'd give me one pair of boxers and one of the, like two pairs of the socks and be like, okay, yeah, let me know when you need the others. And not give me the others outright. She'd be withholding. She'd be withholding from you. Yeah. She's withholding clothing. She'd be waiting until I was like, "Mom, I really need new boxers." She'd be Did like, she "Don't just worry." Really want to have that awkward conversation with you? I I don't know, but like, no, this was when I was like a little kid, not like ooh, oh, okay teenage years. <laughs> but no, it would just be like, I would just be like, "Yeah, I'm out of boxers," and I'd just be like, "Uh, wait, can I like get more, Mom? Don't we have more?" And she'd be like, "Uh, we might," and then like. <laughs> No. Yeah. We might. I'd be, I'd be like, oh, glance. yeah. Wait, no, that package you got, you know, that three pack you got me for Christmas. Yeah, I still need the other two, please. Jesus. Yeah. Just uh, just uh, awful woman. No. <laughs> well, now that we've now that we've digressed into our wardrobes, our clothing and our childhood. Um, yeah. Kevin, think... how has your week been? Uh, it's been uh, pretty good so far. Um, just doing a lot of uh, work and writing and. Uh, just the usual. I'm trying to gear up for this coming weekend. You got, you got a, your team has a big game. We've established in previous yeah. podcasts that you're a big Philly fan, so you're yeah, you're starting to sweat it out a little bit. Well, we're recording this before the Super Bowl, um, but I have to say, listening to like Philly sports radio recently, um, I think Philadelphia fans are pretty confident for the Super Bowl. That Usually, we like kind of poor choice. Go in with trepidation. Well, it's it's kind of like the Eagles fans feel like this is more of a movement than an actually solid team. And, I mean, the Patriots' defense isn't that good. No denying the offense. No denying the offense at all. Tom Brady is probably the greatest quarterback, you know, of the past 50 years. Mm -hmm. And Bill Belichick's probably the greatest coach mm -hmm. since Lombardi. Um, so, like, but, like, I just, the Eagles see themselves as a, as a team of destiny. And as an Eagles fan... Well, might you say that they see themselves as underdogs? <laughs> They always see themselves as underdogs, there as we, we talked go. about. Yeah, I, and I've got my creepy dog mask. I'm just going to wear the entire time as I eat a cheesesteak. Through the dog mask. Through the snout, yeah. Yeah, you kind of got to like mm -hmm. shove it in there a little bit, so you might, yeah. it might come in not and, by your nose, but wings. you got to like just kind of yeah. let it filter down to your mouth. At the end of the game, yeah. you'll just have meat and, and mm -hmm. onions and peppers and sauce all over your face, but it'll be worth it if the birds have won. Yeah, and just like 18 lion's heads. Yeah, yeah, that's that's beer for uh, any of you non-liberal elites living yeah. up here in the in the Acela corridor. Yeah, uh, Lion's Head is probably it's like a millistep. I don't think that's a thing, but it's like a millistep above a thing. above uh, Bud Light and like Coors Light. Oh, I disagree. I think it's better than that. I think no, it is better, but it's barely better. I mm, I see. I I feel like you're a your your self-loathing Eagles fan has that aura. It has you've let it leaked over into your your self-hating, just general Philly guy, and 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 part of that is beer. But I think I think no, I, I think Yingling is good, man. No, black I, and tans. Just no, Yingling's good. I was talking about Lion's Head. Oh, Lion's Head. Sorry, Lion's Head is is good. I mean, you can get a twenty-four pack of bottles for like sixteen dollars. Okay, then sorry, you might be right. Yeah, it's just it's that's. Lion's Head is the beer that you're like they'll give you at cans at bars for like two dollars. Yeah, and it's you're just like, can I have a, like a can of Lion's Head? And they're like, uh, okay, and then like they literally go into the back room and then throw it at yeah, you. Yeah, they the throw bar. it at you from the end of the bar. And then yeah, you throw them back eight quarters, <laughs> and that's how you get Lion's Head at like bars. 
Yeah. No, Yingling is good. Um, though, uh, it's pretty. Never pay for a draft of Yingling in New York. Why is that? Because they group it in with like the Blue Moons and like the Brooklyn Loggers. So it's overpriced. Seven dollars for a Yingling. It's a five dollar pint. Mm, depends on where you go. No, it just, in it Philly, should... it's probably a four dollar pint. In Philly, it's three dollars or a good tail. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get a draft it's of a Yingling. Good story yeah. from a it's guy like, at the bar. Give us three dollars, or you know, one of your best, you know, celebrity running stories, or you know, a tale of your <laughs> grandfather fighting in the war, and we'll give you a draft of Yingling. Yeah. I respect that. You know, I traffic in stories. I don't. Mm-hmm. My currency doesn't have to be uh, mm-hmm. USD. Yeah. Kevin, we watched uh, a movie called Next. Oh, wow. Mm, about a week ago? Not quite a week ago? Yeah, no less than that. Um, a little bit of a confusing movie, sort of. Uh... It's funny because I feel like we paid less attention to Next than we did Naomi and Eli. That's very true. But I feel like it was one of those movies where even if we had pay atten- paid attention, we still would have been probably just the same amount as confused and bored. So, so all right, so is there anything do you remember from the movie that you're still confused about or that you still have questions or just anything you want to remark on? I'm, obviously, the big twist at the end is they do basically a third of the movie and then be like, oh, that third never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he saves Jessica Biel but couldn't stop the Russian or... European mercenary yeah, group, vaguely European, yeah, nuclear blast, yeah. But wasn't the whole point that he could only see two minutes into the future? But is it because he had sex with Jessica Biel that that's I don't how think, he could I don't tell? Think Jessica Biel sex superpowered his. Uh... I think Jessica Biel su- sex superpowered it. I don't think so. Uh, How I, else? I was thinking about this. I, he he said at one point in the movie, I can. He, he said it to Jessica Biel. He said, "I can only see two minutes ahead, except with you." I, I he had he had seen the vision of Jessica Biel walking to the diner where he first meets her. Yeah. A couple times, and it was it was days before he even met her. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think this was something that the Nicolas Cage character. Planned? Remind me of the character's name. Chris. Chris something. Ca- no, Frank Cadillac, Frank Cadillac was a stage name. Right. Who had a... Um, was it Chris Johnson? It was something not as cool as Frank Cadillac. That's no, for sure. No, he should have stuck with Frank Cadillac. He's been like, I'm Frank, Frank Cadillac, Cadillac on and off stage. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I think he realized that um, he he woke up like at the end and realized that he could go do right because he knew what was going to happen because he can live so far into the future mm-hmm. with Jessica Biel because she's special, special to him. So she's special? She's special. She's special. But I, I, I don't know. I'm still kind of confused what gave him the ability to see, like, a day and a half ahead or whatever time frame it was. I have one other mystery, too. I'm I... glad of it. I, yeah. I thought that twist was probably the one of the... Um, mm-hmm. best things about the movie, other than Julianne Moore's acting, of course. Yeah, and I'm not being facetious or, or no, or we sarcastic I think we, when I say that Ju- yeah. Julianne Moore was the best part of this movie. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I do have one thing I, that's been on my mind about the movie. Um, and I'd like to share it if you don't mind. Please go ahead. The um, is that so? We have the starting scene where Frank Cadillac, of course, performs at like a magic show in Vegas, right? 
If you have a power to see two minutes into the future and you're a magician, how come you can only get like eight people to your magic show? He, he's he's probably still developing his craft, I'd assume. He's 45. <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of how old is Nicolas Cage, but, like, how can you not be a successful magician if you can see two minutes into the future? How can you do the profession of being a magician, have that superpower, and just kind and of be like, be like a, a crappy... A hack, kind yeah. of a little bit of a, a just yeah. a Vegas sideshow. Yeah, it, it, it kind of was like I was watching, you know, you see, and then you, like, oh, wow, there's no one at his show. And I don't get what the point of having that in the movie was. Like, why not make him a super successful magician? Why not make him have, like, this crazy Chris Angel mind freak-like show? And then that's what gets, like, the FBI interested in him. Like, if he has a more successful show, then the FBI can be like, how is he pulling off these stunts? And then that gives it more, like, Julianne Moore could be more like, oh, wow, I think he might have this power we can use. Because I don't know, I don't remember the movie, but I don't remember the reason Julianne Moore was like... I'm glad you're going yeah. in so hard on the story and and the writing for this movie, because after we watched it, I mm -hmm. did a little bit of my own research. Yeah. Um, and you even said so during the movie, but that it felt like there was there was a part of this movie, like a, a, a small part of its DNA that was built on a great idea. And yes. it seemed as though it had been turned into something else by either rewrites or some casting decisions that necessitated rewrites or what have you. Yeah. So I did some of my research. Uh, I went on Wikipedia and I found out that there was an original draft. You were you were 100% correct that there was a, uh, an original draft and was rewritten drastically in order to appease some people that bought on in production early on. So the first draft of the story um, was much more closely related to the Avoid. Philip K. Dick Philip K. Dick story. It was much more closely related to his short story. Um, and it was a lot more about um, like the government and Nick Cage as what is described here as a precognitive mutant. So it's more like Ooh. an X-Men sort of story. Or Minority they're, Report. Yeah, they're very, they're a lot precog. more. Yeah, they're precogs. Precogs. What, what's the, what's the, what, the woman's name? The woman precog is oh. like always the best. I forget. The one they break out. I didn't expect that movie to be good and then I really liked it. Yeah, that's a dad movie. Pleasant Tom that's Cruise surprise movie. Yeah, that's a movie that your dad's like, this one ain't half bad, kid. And then like you watch it with them, you're like, oh, you're right. <laughs> my dad knows everything. Yeah, my dad really knows movies. And then he shows you like something bad and you're like, ugh. So, so they had this original draft and it was um, literally, it, it felt a lot more like it was Nick Cage and the Jessica Biel character who also ends up being slightly precognitive as well, like facing off basically against the government. And it's, it's um, DHS and like the CIA instead of the FBI. So kind of like the FBI is a little bit more Ooh. friendly, sort of cooperative face they put on it. But in the original story, it was like the DHS and the CIA like trying to basically catch 
these precognitive mutants like in a lot of the marvel stories that we read okay i like a lot of the uh x-men i'll tell you one thing thing. i like the story a lot better than the one we saw pretty good yeah um and and that would make sense because jessica beale if she had precog abilities that would you know more of like a destiny Instead that of they, like that, they meet each other. Instead of like him yeah. just being a creepy guy, exactly a creepy dude who's like, I'm waiting for this hot chick to show up at this diner. So, um, in in this original draft of the short story, there were people that had no, sorry, not in the draft, but people had a problem with the draft for its quote distinct tone of racist paranoia. What? Which. I mean, that's sort of a theme of the whole mutant X-Men superhero thing is that yeah. they're not like us, so we need to control them and capture them and, and study them. And, yeah. You know, it's like famously uh, the second X-Men. xenophobic yeah. and, and, and a little bit racist, you know, as a building block for the story it's trying to tell. It's not necessarily saying mm-hmm. that it is a racist story or it's trying, trying to be racist, but that is, that is the presets in which... The story is written, mm-hmm. so I I'm not I'm not sure exactly who bought on, but okay. Um, says Saturn Films had the script extensively rewritten and the process almost completely eliminated its anti-authoritarian themes. Though Chris remained a meek social outcast, he's somewhat less sympathetic. He's portrayed as arrogant as well as more, far more prone to applying violent solutions. So in this original draft, we probably would have sided with Chris a lot more easily, probably more easily too if he hadn't been Nicolas Cage, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> so they replaced the DHS in, in the version that we watch with the FBI, and despite the one scene where Chris is strapped to the chair with his eyes forced open the fbi is portrayed as relatively sympathetic teaming up with chris in order to both save jessica beale as well as uh take down the vaguely weirdly european terrorists um and i think they ended up with a worse story oh absolutely i mean i i think you kind of have to have i think good movies you know have always had deeper themes on a you know a subtext level and um, I think that's what kind of makes a good superhero movie or a good um, action movie. For example, the second X-Men movie, um, X2, uh, basically the movie is about, um, you know, um, gay teenagers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a school of mutants and it's kind of like a school of, you know, gay teenagers. There's that famous scene in the bedroom where the, you know, parents are like, can't you just like not be a mutant? <laughs> oh, my God. God. Well, but I mean, it's still, you know, got that the scenes of Wolverine, you know, clawing people up and, you know, Storm and Cyclops. But, you know, I, you need to have still something you want to get across in an action or, a, you know, a superhero movie, um, you know, for it to be especially when it takes itself serious. And I think next took itself way too serious. You're right. Yeah. So another thing we talked about um, during and just after the movie ended was Jessica Biel and the kind of movies that we've seen her in. And I oh. joked at the end of the movie. It was movie, the, a very <laughs> savage joke. It was very... Kevin yeah. proposed that we do a deep dive into uh, Jessica Biel's filmography. I am pulling it up. And I cautioned him that 
he might not want to dive in the shallow end because, you know, they got those signs out there for a reason. You could really seriously injure your neck, Kevin. And I just want to say, I spoke out of line. A Jessica Biel deep dive is not a dive into the shallow end. It might not be as deep as uh, the ocean uh, that some actors and actresses out there have. Mm-hmm. But Jessica Biel has actually been in some very successful movies. And and not only in movies, but she's uh, had spots. <laughs> successful. Successful now. commercially. Mm. Successful commercially. Okay. And she's also been in some TV, too. Um, would you like me to kind of just go through and you can say stop and, and comment on anything if you want? Yeah, I mean, I got up on my phone right now as well, and uh, I'm interested to hear what you said is successful. Okay. okay, what I noticed right from the beginning, I pulled up her IMDb, and where it says known for, she has The Illusionist. That's I... the magician movie I was talking about. Okay. Which isn't half bad. Okay, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't be the judge of that, but yeah. next to The Illusionist, she has Next, which is... <laughs> I think we all know how that movie is. Next to that is Ch- the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 2003, and then Total Recall in 2012, the the, uh, the Total Recall remake with Colin Farrell. Which I don't think got good reviews. I don't no. think that got good reviews at all. But oh, I'm not talking about reviews when I say successful movie, because that's not... The movies that we're watching are not going to be successful by being good movies. Well, what, well, how do you say that Total Recall was successful? I, I believe it was relatively commercially successful, wasn't it? Well, I always thought the rule was you have to double your budget in order to be successful. And I've got the Total Recall Wikipedia right here. Prove me wrong. Budget was $125 million. I would have guessed about what? $100 million. <laughs> What? <laughs> you make a Star Wars or a Star Trek or a you know Marvel War Kevin, for like one hundred fifty. 2012. FX companies were expensive back then before anyone mm-hmm. knew. How bad it could be. Well, the film only made one hundred and ninety-eight point five million. Oh, and it should have so made two hundred fifty million. Short. It's it's you, well, you have to do double because you have to do of uh, the marketing as well. You're right. And so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say uh, I'm, I'm gonna decline say, I'm that. I'm gonna say that successful statement. We gotta disagree on something yeah, in this podcast. Fine. We gotta fine. argue and debate, so we, we might as well draw the line at the Total Recall. <laughs> Well, budget in box office. Okay, let's 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 move on from Total Recall. Please. I the thing I remembered her from when we watched next was uh, the thing I remembered her from most readily was um, Chuck and Larry get married. Chuck. I now pronounce you. I Chuck now pronounce and... you Chuck and Larry. Mm-hmm. Which. Which... <laughs> no, why, why, no, why don't you Which, take this, Kevin? Uh, I mean, I. Don't think it got that great reviews. It says it got a fourteen percent on Rotten Kevin. Tomatoes, <laughs> but it, I will say it was successful because it had a budget of uh, eighty-five million. What? <laughs> I don't know how it had a budget of eighty-five million. Well, it had Kevin James and Adam Sandler in it, and probably two of their cronies. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a conspiracy and rabbit hole for another that's day. Another day, <laughs> because I, there's a lot to go into there. There's the one Adam Sandler movie, Jack and uh, Jack, Jack and Jill. Jill. Which is a total cash grab. It's a good conspiracy. There's a big conspiracy behind it, and uh, that's worth going down another episode. But I thought Jessica Biel was the she was worth Julianne Moore of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Well, she probably deserved the fifteen million dollars her agent got for her. I hope I hope she got it because it can't be good. It can't be fun to work with those. Eighty-five million dollar budget, one hundred eighty-six point one million dollar. 
box office. So That's a it made its money movie. back and some. Yeah. Um, but we will get to Kevin James later. We will actually. Oh. Kevin James is next up. I, I I think that dive was probably shallow oh. enough. I don't think there's a lot more to go into. <laughs> yeah, you were like, oh, there's actually some movies, no, but then there, when you there, there yeah. were some. She was on Saturday Night Live. Um, oh. What else? Uh, she was on BoJack Horseman. Yeah. As and I heard that show, The Sinner, is supposed to be pretty good, and I think she got nominated for like a Golden Globe for it. Really? Yeah. But it was on USA Network, and they do air the Golden Globes on NBC, and you know, well, hey man, they always say welcome. that you can buy the uh, Golden Globes if you want them. So maybe. Um, I don't know. Jessica Biel was in Valentine's Day back in 2010. That's a mm. classic Valentine's and Day. And New Year's movie. Eve, the other Gary Marshall holiday movie. And that's a twofer right there. Well, that's apparently she was so good in Valentine's Day, you got to bring her back for New Year's Eve. I. I I can see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what's a movie that I've been thinking of lately? It's holiday related, um, so it's relevant. But um, the night before, with like Seth Rogen. I've never seen it. Um, who else is it? Um, who's the guy from the drummer movie with J.K. Simmons? Is it uh, Miles Teller? Miles Teller. Let me, let is me, he in it? Let me just click away on my keyboard real, yeah. real quick. I don't think I've ever seen that, and I've seen like most Seth Rogen movies. Unfortunately, it's a fun some raunchy. cases great, and others. It's a fun uh, holiday romp. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh no, it's not. It's not Miles Teller. It's uh, it's um, who? Deluxe brand Miles Teller. Can you guess? Deluxe brand. Yeah. Deluxe how? Um, it's just the rich man's Miles Teller. The rich man's Miles Teller. Yeah. Um. With a little oh, bit God. more charisma. Like, actually, like, a good bit more charisma. A good bit more charisma. Um, Rich Man's Miles Teller. I need one more clue. Um, a lot of people know him by his initials as an acronym. Oh, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? JGL, baby. JGL. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a delight more than a Rich Man's Miles Teller. So it's Seth Rogen, JGL, and Anthony Mackie. Ah. And Jillian Bell plays, I believe, Seth Rogen's wife. And it's fun. Drug-fueled. Um, don't take your kids to see it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's move on to your requested topic of conversation. Oh, yes. And, and I, I want to tell the listeners that Kevin, Kevin brought this to me, spoke very briefly about it. Let and me he get actually, my notes here. He, he mentioned it at the end of the next um, uh, the next watch. Uh, yeah. A little thing about Kevin's Kevin uh, Kevin James and his sitcom. Well, yeah, this is this is um a very interesting topic I came across on Reddit, and um, well, I'll just say it. I'm a Kevin myself. <laughs> I, I was born a Kevin. That. I was raised a Kevin. I am a Kevin. And um, I mean, obviously, it starts with the epidemic of Home Alone. You know, the mom screaming out, "Kevin!" Right. And so, what's kind of been created. And I've written about this and talked about this, um, is uh, an epidemic of using the name Kevin in, like, uh, TV shows. Mm-hmm. There was Kevin from work. There's Kevin, like, tries to save the world with Jason Ritter right now, some TV show. And, mm-hmm. like, so Kevin is kind of used uh, in titles and kind of, like, enunciated. Like, there's always a character in, like, a middle school movie named Kevin, and he, like, always gets beat up by the bully and, like... Or, like, the bully will slam his books and be like, you dropped your books, 
Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a very, like, you it's enunciate it like it's French, uh, you know, or something. Like, it's like a weird, it's a weird name, and it's kind of a name that's always used as, like, um the uh, just trying to get by character or trying to get by person in weird profession. Um, and, and I told you this yeah. a couple weeks ago, but I found another, or actually, I, I didn't find yeah. this. Uh, my partner, Joe, uh, heard about this more recently. Yeah. And she said that she read online that when birds are flying in a V formation, like when they're migrating, there's usually one bird in the formation that's out of step with the rest of them. And whether that's because he's kind of like transitioning from the lead spot yep, to in the I back, know this is going. I don't know. But that bird that is out of formation with the rest of the birds is known as a, the Kevin. Yep. He's known as the Kevin of the flock. It's... It... <laughs> <laughs> Like, my mom <laughs> said she was so close to naming, like, Ryan or, oh, like, Jason, and uh, so I, I don't know if uh, I would be the same. I don't think I just, you'd be the same person. I, I kind of wish I, you know, I wish I was, like, a Kyle or a Devin, I think, but uh, I think Kevin, to some people who know me, may just kind of fit my personality too well. Anyway, how and, does that yeah. work for, for this? Well, so it's, it made me aware because the sitcom is called Kevin Can Wait. Okay. And so, you know, when you live in a city, you know, you see billboards and posters on, like, the public transportation everywhere. So, you know, big Kevin James face, uh, mm -hmm. Kevin Can Wait. Um, so, obviously, I was like, ah, oh, screw this sitcom, just another crappy sitcom. And I think, though, this story kind of shows where those, like, uh, audience sitcoms are nowadays. So... Uh, the show is currently in its second season. In the first season... Oh, it's still airing. It's still airing, yeah. Okay. In the first season, uh, it was Kevin James plays Kevin. He's like a dad. He has three kids, I believe. And in the sitcom, he had a wife named Donna, played by Aaron Hayes, like a comedy you know, actress. She's I was looking up her filmography. She's been in like a bunch of stuff, you know. Cool. Voices and, you know, um, small roles or guest roles in, you know, other sitcoms. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end... Of the first season, they brought in Kevin James's wife from uh, the King of Queens, Leah Romini, mm -hmm. uh, for like two episodes, and she played her former like Kevin James is like I think a cop, okay, and he played like her uh, his former partner, okay, and so like it was kind of like supposed to be you know a ratings boost and like you know Leah Romini from bit of a yeah. wink towards yeah his last yeah yeah. You know, nudge, nudge to the audience, and, you know, ratings went up, and, you know, apparently, when you read the quotes about this story, it's so, like, PR coached, it's pretty funny. Um, and Kevin James is like, when she came on set, it was electric. The crew loved her. The cast loved her. Oh, my God. Everyone was so excited to see her, and she was great, and there was no denying bringing back the chemistry. So the show has Leah Romini on, and then they decide at the end of the first season, to kill off Kevin James's wife. Not in an wow. episode, all in between seasons. Oh, my God. Okay? So, and the EP uh, said, we killed off Donna, the wife, out of respect for the character of Donna. That's a, that's Which, extremely respectful, yeah. Kevin. You know how you respect somebody? Yeah. You know how, like, you... you fucking kill them. Yeah. Em. yeah. <laughs> You know, that's, you know, every, you know, character, you know, killed in, uh, you know, any TV show was done out of respect for the character. Yeah, all those because Game of Thrones extras. Because the character just wanted to be killed and need to be killed thematically. Yeah. 
It was it was respect to their characters, especially in a sitcom where each episode is its own contained storyline and there's no real character development. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, <laughs> he said also too, it seemed like the only right and fair way to treat her character. Uh, I just gave way, Johnny a face. The only way. The only way to treat to her treat character. Your mother character in your sitcom is to kill her. So yeah, the mother of these children, the wife of you know, fifteen years to Kevin James' character, you just kill her off off season. That's now, the respect she deserved. Now I highly recommend. I highly recommend you watch the first three minutes of the f- first episode of the second season of Kevin Can Wait, because you know that they killed off the character in between seasons. So you're like. How are you going to address this? <laughs> so, scene opens. Family's eating breakfast. Banter back and forth. You kids go. Dad's packing lunch. Oldest sibling's like, you got to give him fruit and vegetables. And dad's like, oh, beef jerky. You know, you know, these, you know. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Then, a piece of mail comes in from the former wife's gym. And Kevin James's character. Now, mind you, the audience doesn't know that the character, the wife, is dead. Unless you've read the news. So right. from a story standpoint... She's just not there yet. She's just not in the scene yet. Okay. You know, and so, you know, you have to explain that, but they never do. So then Kevin James' character gets a piece of mail and goes, oh, this, you know, they keep sending these types of things. And he goes, you know, you know, we miss you at the gym. Where have you been? Well, I miss her too. And he slams it down. And the oldest daughter comes and goes, just ignore it, you know, move on. You know, mom died, but we can get better. So that's the only mention of mom dying. And then the girl's about to throw out the gym uh, letter into the trash. Kevin James' character goes, oh, no, 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 no. There's a coupon for a kung fu lesson in it. Don't throw it out. <laughs> so, oh, my which means God. When he led, when he, sorry, when he read the letter, he said, oh, they're sending this crap up my, he's, he's, you know, he's dead wife. Then sees on the same letter, ooh, coupon for a kung fu lesson. Technically. Score. This is all within the first minute and a half. <laughs> then the lodger character, which I don't know, but he's like a British lodger, I guess, goes, oh no, they're revoking my visa. I can't stay here anymore. And that's all they talk about the dead wife for the rest of the episode. That's the only time. Wow. So that's how little they cared about this character or like so much for respect. The respect they give her is they barely talk about her. Now... So I is there? I, I was expecting there to be some kind of drama uh, with like Leah Ramini coming in and just like becoming the mom character and then yeah. being completely like unacknowledged. So is there anything? Well, well, now they're partners again on the Force, and oh, you know they didn't want to just boy. you know. Mm-hmm. But I think what's really interesting is that um, they so much for respect for the character they don't even mention it. I, according to my research, they still don't know how the mom died. They said, like, she died six months ago or ten months ago or something. We still do not know how the mom character died. Car crash, you know, sickness. We don't know. Now, here is another thing I want to bring up. What's that? Which is the plot line of episode five. (laughs) I have not watched the show, but I've done the research. (laughs) So here's how much respect they have for the character. Okay. So, um, one of... Kevin James's other police partners on the force apparently picks up a chick at a um you know uh spouses without their uh or people without their spouses oh, like, like a dead spouses yeah a okay. widow's you know support group yeah 
And then, so Kevin, he was like, I'll scout it out for you, Kevin James. And Kevin James' character is like, ah, okay. And then he's like, oh, wait, I can use this, you know, dead spouse support group to my advantage. So he uses it to play hooky from work to go to football games. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. They're just totally spun around this dead spouse mm-hmm. storyline. Yeah. By, we know, still get rid of the character. do not know how his wife died. And we're we joking about it. we to kill her out out of respect for the character. And then Lee Ramini's character says, you know, you know, I caught you. Uh, she catches Kevin James using it to pl- the excuse to play hooky, you mm-hmm. know? But then she shows up to a meeting and sees a hot guy and goes... Ooh, yeah, my husband died. You want to go out? Wow. So she lies to a grieving husband in order to trick him to going out with her. And the first character, the original partner, said his wife had died in order to get a date with someone at this support group. So we've got two people lying in order to get dates from a a widows and widowers uh, support group. And then Kevin James, who refuses to go into his wife's death at all yeah so, you know what? i was thinking of watching kevin can wait but now i'm glad that i'm not going to yeah i know i know you were like i was oh, on what? the fence yeah i, was, I know I was you, really you kept debating it back and forth you know, there was like a couple good netflix shows yeah. we had like dark i was mm-hmm. uh i was finishing up the most recent season of easy mm-hmm. but i you know i don't think yeah. kevin can wait really stacks up why watch you know well thought out and crafted comedies that are original to you know the genre like end of the fucking world when you can just watch easy, laid-back, dead wife, you know, jokes. Truly. And Kevin can wait. I think, though, that shows you what sitcoms are at now because, you know, they're just doing a safe bet. You know, like, why have, you know, this brand-new original wife character when we can just kill her off and bring back Leah Ramini to be a, you know, woman co-star, you know, for ratings' sake. That's honestly the commercial side of it, and I think from the the writing side of it, the creative side of it. Yeah. It's just like, you know what? I think for a season it was already feeling a little bit, you know, stale and weak by the end of it. I think yeah. we got to spice it up. we got to kill the mother off and then joke about it. Yeah, don't tell me that it was done out of respect for the character. Yeah, that's bullshit. It means the character was stale and someone had an Excel sheet at the, you know, C- I think it's on CBS, uh, you know, at CBS. It was like, Mr. Moonves, if we kill off the wife and Brennan Lee and Ramini, <laughs> our, you know, our audience shares will go through the roof. Unless Moonves was like, do yeah, it. Yeah, fine. Do it. Yeah. Fine. Do it. Whatever. Wow. Yeah. That's great. Thank you for that, Kevin. I, I, and I'm so glad I, I could just process it while, while we're doing this because it makes a big difference. Well, I think it's, it's, it's uh, you know, something should people be aware about and be like, kind of like, what the hell? I'd hope that our listeners, you know, if we even have any, are, um, are are watching the kind of shows that we're watching for yeah. for enjoyment, like on Netflix, all these, you know, weird sort of one off, uh, sort of indie, low low production value, uh, you know, low budget things that you know explore character and uh, and do new and exciting things instead of a twenty two minute sitcom. Yeah, I mean, sitcoms though are kind of like you know, um, comfort food. Yeah, and I understand watching one of those old school sitcoms and, you know, like Seinfeld or Friends or something. And, it's, you know, it's comfort food. It's like chicken parm. But, like, w- when a sitcom has screwed up, like, as much as this one has and screwed up in kind of like a just, you know, contrived and showbiz and just deceitful way, mm-hmm. 
it, you know, it's hard to look at the product and think, you know, there's nothing, you know, wrong with eating this, consuming yeah. this. And it's like, there's so much more better content out there. I think, you know, I know I'm sure you want to see that Leah Remini and uh, Kevin James reunion, but maybe just watch old King of Queens. Instead. Yeah. Go 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 to the old yeah. Elizabeth goodies if you want to feel, you know, if you want yeah. that comfort food and you want that 22 minutes just up and out of your own head. Yeah. Well, I see you reaching for the bowl. Yeah, uh, let's not let's not dwell on this too long. We're going to we're going to pick our next crappy movie, yes. our next crappy Netflix or Amazon streaming movie that we can watch and joke around and hang out to. And remember, if you have any suggestions, send it to us at kickingandstreamingpod at gmail.com. That's entirely spelled out. So kicking and streaming mm-hmm. pod yep. at gmail.com. And because our bowl is getting light, we're going through these movies. You know, and one just we fell need out, more suggestions. One, I, I did see it, so yeah. I'm, let's I'm, do it. Oh, Ooh, sorry geez. about that for the for Jesus the Marie. There. Oh, what do we got? Minerals. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, uh, the title of this movie is "So Undercover." So undercover. Yeah, let me just uh, let me do a quick little. How I forget this one. It's been a while since I made all these listings. Okay, a tough. Street smart private eye mm. is hired by the FBI to go undercover in a college sorority. Oh, oh man. You want to know? You want to know who the lead is on this? Can I guess? Please guess. Okay, give me some clues. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's any clues that I could give you that wouldn't just completely give it away. Um, All right, then give it away. <laughs> Miley Cyrus. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And it doesn't look like it's one of her better flicks. Oh. I'm excited. It's a 5.0 on uh, on IMDb, Ooh, which is wow. That's at the top end of our range, right? We're under six on IMDb. Well, Naomi Nilai is controversially, you know, there's big uproar amongst our uh, listeners because it had a 6.2 on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, people did not like but that. But it, it did not deserve a 6.2. No, it didn't. It deserved let's a see 2.2. If, let's see if this deserves. I'm excited to see if it deserves its full 5.0 from 16,494 ratings. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, I'll uh, be excited it, to see it. It looks like it's got two uh, two no names as the anybody else? love interest and a male lead. I don't know. Um, Any other link characters on the or oh, link actors? It has Jeremy Piven and, and Mike O'Malley. Mike O'Malley, character actor. Um, yeah. Jeremy Piven. Ooh, not excited to see him after what's going on with the allegations. Josh, you yeah, that's true. I completely forgot that he's one of those yeah. one of those creeps out there now. An actor from Entourage has sexual misconduct allegations. Yeah. Oh my god. Color be shocked. Who would have thought? <laughs> All right. So next time we'll be watching So Undercover. It's uh, yeah. hour and thirty four minutes. Miley Cyrus, Jeremy Piven, Mike O'Malley, and hey, Josh Bowman. Hey Johnny, Again. I'm so looking forward to watching that with you. I'm so not going to buy into this little shtick. We're so going to do so many jokes about so undercover when we find the time to watch it. All right, I think I think that one's already dead, so maybe we can just It's dead in the water, but we'll bring it back time. up when we watch uh, it. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe All it's right. just dead in the water. Anyway, let's move on. We have a little game we wanted to play. Uh, the yes. Grammys happened recently. Um, I didn't watch them live. You did not either. You don't know any of the results. I do not know any of the results, and we should say that is a few days after the Grammys. Yeah, it's it's the Grammys were Sunday or Monday. Yeah, Sunday. No, they were Sunday. It's Tuesday, so not that bad. Um, I didn't watch it live, but I saw some of the results. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna go through, um, the Grammy nom- Grammy nominees and the winners, 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick out some categories, give Kevin the the field for that category, and see if he can guess who won. And I'm gonna kind of just I'm gonna just scroll through the Billboard.com mm-hmm. page. And we should say I am not the biggest mo- like music fan at all. I'm much kind of more movies and TV. Um, so I literally kind of like have no idea who the favorites were or like you know what should have won or will win. You know. So uh, let's let's start. Let's there's some. there's a little bit of outrage out there, as there always is with any awards show. But um, all right, we'll start out with album of the year. Mm-hmm. The nominees for album of the year were "Awaken My Love" by Childish Gambino, "444" by Jay Z, "Damn" by Kendrick Lamar, "Melodrama" by Lord, and "24 Karat Magic." By Bruno Mars. I don't know if it's 24, 24K Magic or 24 Karat Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the five. Do you have a guess? Well, I th- I think um, it's probably between Bruno Mars and Kendrick. Am I correct there? Yes. Okay, so I think I'm gonna go with the. I think I'm gonna go with the Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars won. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You gotta go with the safest bet. <laughs> Wow, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> well, you, well. Initially, I was like, "Well, they should probably give it to Childish Gambino." And then I'm like, "Wait, nope. They would never give nope, it to Childish no Gambino." Give, then award. I think Jay Z. They can maybe give it to, and they're like, and then I heard Bruno Mars. Ending with Bruno Mars solidified Bruno Mars for me. Uh, I was like, "Yep, they gave it to Bruno Mars." That's too bad. I, I, I also liked the Awaken My Love album. I thought it was really amazing. I listened to Damn a few times through and really yeah. enjoyed it. That's. You know, I still listen to like Damn at the Gym. Yeah, everyone at Kendrick's albums has been really great, but Damn is has just a really few really awesome songs on it, and it tells a story. And Kendrick Lamar is an inspiring artist, so I feel like he probably should have won this one. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move on to Record of the Year, which is what's the difference? It's basically, um, it's like Song of the Year, but um, I think it's supposed to bring in. Uh, like production um, talent and mixing and all, all that stuff into it, like beyond just the writing. I think. Okay. So I think the uh, I think song of the year is more about like the writing and kind of the you know more the you know the general reception of it, like the playing and where where mm-hmm. record of the year is supposed to be like mastery of yeah. uh, of creating a song. So it's like credit to Quincy Jones or something, you know? Yeah, yeah essentially. Or credit to you know. So the Mark nominees. Johnson. Yeah. A Red Bone by Childish Gambino. Again, probably did not win. <laughs> Despacito. Oh, Despacito. By Louis, Lu- Luis Fonsi, Daddy Yankee, uh, featuring Justin Bieber. Um, the third nominee is The Story of OJ by Jay-Z. I imagine that's from 444. It is. Um, Humble by Kendrick Lamar, which we all know is from Damn. And 24 Karat Magic by Bruno Mars. Oh, as the title track of his uh, album of the year winning album. Well, so this is kind of, I'm thinking like Oscars now, like does something that get album of the year just sweep the song too? I don't know. Um, But I'm going to go with what I think probably deserves it, which is Humble. You would be wrong. It's 24 Karat Magic <laughs> <by> Bruno. <laughs> I should have just this, assumed. He, he, he cleaned you, up. You always got to pair a uh, picture with director. You yeah. always got to pair song with album. That's true. He uh, he cleaned up at, at uh, the Grammys, and people aren't super happy about it. 
Um, okay. People don't think there is enough recognition for rap and R&B music and well, it's and kind the of and they're yeah. probably correct. I mean, I don't know. That's an argument. I mean, for another three, time. you know, rap, you know, rappers basically were nominated and none of them won. So that makes sense. Okay, so here is this is confirming my my thesis from before that song of the year is more about writing mm-hmm. um, because the nominees for these songs are all of the writers of the song. So there's a lot of them for some of these songs. I'm not going to list all the songwriters. Yeah, don't name the random, you know, writers. I mean, even though some of them probably had more creative input than, say, Justin Bieber. Anyway, mm-hmm. I digress. So Despacito did not win. <laughs> uh, well, Despacito was nominated. Uh, Ramon Ayala, um, Justin Bieber, Jason Poopoo Boyd. Poopoo? No, not Poopoo. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jason Poopoo? <laughs> Jason Pooh Bear Boyd. Okay. Um, excuse me. Erica Ender, Luis Fonsi, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You lost me a poo-poo. <laughs> I imagine I lost a lot of people at poo-poo. Yeah. Uh, 444, Sean Carter and Dion Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, Issues by Benny Blanco, Mikkel Storlier Erickson, Tor Eric Hermanson, Julia Michaels, and Justin Drew Tranter. Yeah. Like, and I don't know what song that album was from or who performed it. How come it takes so many writers to write a three-and-a-half-minute song? Well, these are pop songs, Kevin. Oh, yeah. So there's your answer. Okay. Sorry, um, continue. Next is 1-800-273-8255, uh, which I believe is an Alessia um, Cara song because the, the the name of the first writer is Alessia Caracciolo, which must be her real name. Uh, you know, you learn something new every day. Uh, Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, Arjun <coughs> Ivatori, Khalid Robinson, and uh, and Logic, I believe, also. Uh, and then the final nominee, That's What I Like, uh, Christopher Brody Brown, James and James, James Fawns, following Bruno Mars. Yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, that one got it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were right there as well. So do you know anything about Best New Artist? Um, no, what were the nominees? Let me see. Um... So the nominees are Alessia Cara, uh, Khalid, or Khalid, um, I apologize, I don't know exactly how to um, pronounce his name, Lil Uzi Vert, <laughs> Julia Michaels, and SZA. Who oh. won that one? I'm going to guess SZA. She should have won. She should have. <sighs> love, love, love. Sorry, that was my, that was my SZA impersonation. Alessia Cara won it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna argue too much on that one because I don't I, I don't listen to enough music over the course of the year and I don't listen to enough variety of a music mm-hmm. of, of music to have an informed opinion. So I'll just say congrats 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 to uh, Alessia Cara. Um, Great. And then I'll just pick out pick uh, one more. Actually, I'll pick one more. And yeah. and I saw this one earlier and I'm I'm glad I picked it out again just now. Best dance recording. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is really Bambro Koyo Ganda. By Bonobo featuring Inov Gnawa. I couldn't name it to the Cola. Song. Yeah. Or Cola, maybe. Um, by Camel Fat and Elderbrook. That's and bad spells, podcasting, but I'm just shaking my head. And he spells Camel Fat with a PH. Mm, cool. Uh, next uh, nominee is Andromeda, which is the Gorillas featuring Dram. And now I haven't heard that, but I'm already very interested because I like the Gorillas and I like Dram. So. Check me back next week, and I'll let you guys know how that one was. Mm-hmm. The next nominee is Tonight by LCD Sound System. And the final nominee 
is Line of Sight, Odessa, featuring Wynn and Mansion Air. Now, who do you think won? I have a bias here. Of LCD. Why don't you tell? Yeah, yeah. We have we we they're we one like, of my favorite bands. We like LCD Sound System. Oh yes. You you turned me on to them probably a couple couple years ago, three years ago. Yeah. And they, we we they, saw them live at uh, at Panorama and Who yeah. Boy. That was one of my favorite sets I've ever seen. Yeah. After a very uh, interesting Sia set. Yeah. Which was surprisingly. Uh, good. Interesting. Surprisingly to interesting to see this. And she's a very talented um, yeah. vocalist, but a very interesting set. I mean, it, it's it's not LCD, right? It's LCD. No, really? They won a Grammy, man. That's that. Th- what a great one to end on. I know. I'm right? very excited about that. I'm very glad I picked that one out. I mean, well, we got to move on yeah. because we're we're going really slowly. But Oof. this next category is very good because you and I sort of talked about and uh, had it had it out and hashed it out about this, but. Oh, yes. um, we wanted to talk about NBA, sports and social media, kind of why the NBA is so fun. And we got into this basically when a friend of ours, uh, Seb Oya, friend of the pod, um, sent us a an Instagram of Joel Embiid dunking on... Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a picture. It's a Joel Embiid Instagram dunking on Russell Westbrook. And the location tag says crime scene investigation. Yeah. And I reacted to this by saying um, I wasn't that into it. I thought it was a little bit out of line. I know Joel Embiid has been doing the whole Instagram thing, um, but I thought since his team lost and the implication with the location tag um, and dunking over a guy who was trying to take a charge, it makes it look way worse than it is. Um, so I, I didn't I didn't like it from that point of view. Um, and... I think I probably goaded you a little bit, Kevin, into arguing with me, and uh, we uh, got a little heated and eventually worked it out. But why don't you, why don't you why don't you give the intro to this this sort of section of the podcast that you know why you think the NBA is fun, what you like about the personalities that we're seeing out there every day? Well, I think we talked about the uh, one of the other discussions. Uh, the last one was it is you know a league of personalities. And it's kind of one of the few sports where you can basically, if there's a player you like, you can follow them throughout the game, mm-hmm. follow them on the bench, you know, and then also, you know, follow them online, follow them on Instagram, follow them on Snapchat, you know, and um, it's a pretty interesting aspect of sports. And when you break it down and it is, you know, a very, you know, superstar heavy game, mm-hmm. it's a very physical game and it's a game where your statistics really matter. And they're very evident, and there's a big push lately for advanced statistics, which mm-hmm. purport to uh, predict a player's value even better than traditional statistics do. Yeah. So there's a big push for all these different kinds of metrics to evaluate player performance. Yeah. And so it is a sport where you kind of have to come out hot, especially if you're a young player, and especially if you're you know, one of the first-round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... I think it was, you know, some players, you know, will just stay, you know, silent and, you know, let their, you know, uh, stats, you know, and, you know, improving play over time, you know, really make that be, you know, the case of, you know, why they're, they should be paid as much as they're paid and, you know, be, have as much coverage as they do mm-hmm. on, you know, the ABC game of the week or ESPN games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, others kind of, you know, have more energetic 
personalities, and right. Joel Embiid is one of those in that category. Yeah. He usually takes a photo of uh, a highlight of himself during every game and will do like a goofy location tag or have, you know, a goofy, uh, you know, comment on it. And, you know, I think he is a player that, you know, has the skills, you know, and is, you know, definitely going to be, uh, you know, a superstar and a multi-year all-star in the future. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you have more of a, you know, show me what you got on the court and not on the, the social media. Yeah, and I don't want that to come off as I don't think players should uh, express themselves on social media and make themselves more relatable to fans on social media. I love that, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I love the NBA right now and why it's, you know, arguably the most exciting league in sports. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I think to a degree I'm a little bit of a traditionalist and I think uh smack talk should be done like on the I, I think people should like you said, speak with their stats a little bit and with their performance and and less so with their antics and, and the you know, things they say off the court. That being said, the twenty four hour news cycle that we're experiencing right now, both in politics and in, in other things generally, it lends itself to there always being a new comment on on something from from a sports you know uh, from a sports figure whether it yeah. you know a new storyline a new beef um, a new thing to com- for everyone to have to comment on that given day. Um, but you you it, it's not only commenting on you know the play of the game the previous night or the previous day, but it's also commenting on the reactions now of the players. It's commenting right. on the press conference by the coaches and the players after the game, mm-hmm. you know, and then this new level is now it's commenting on the game and the press conference of the coaches and players after the game and, and the, the social media and the backlash of the backlash. Yeah. And, yeah. And you know what the players said, what the fans said, and you know, it kind of, it shows where we're at right now, you know, with online social media and, you know, podcasts and whatnot to comment on the comments on the comments. Right. So obviously there are more traditional, um, platforms of analysis and review like social media is you know it's it's like the new thing everyone's got a phone in their Wait, pocket it's the new thing it's the new thing it is the really? only new thing. i hadn't heard about it there until a week things, ago social media but social media yeah. is the one the thing that yeah. is the most new i there heard they no have like social media manager jobs now media. it's pretty wild <laughs> I, I had one of those jobs yeah I'm <laughs> not I, proud of it i had an internship as well <laughs> so, so but so we have these traditional um these traditional formats like a talk show or like, you know, post-game analysis by these, you know, um, former players and uh, sports writers and and sports analysis personalities in the studio afterwards, you know, they still need to get their word in. And then everything that they said, you know, negatively or positively or whatever uh, has to get turned around the next day and someone's got to hear about what they said because they were involved. And then there has to be that comment, just like you said. So, comparing the Joel Embiid Instagram antics or behavior or whatever you want to call it to other more traditional, you know, microphone in face reactions. You brought up um a the instance of Draymond Green calling yes. out the, the reporter Brian Windhorst, who is very talented, uh has reported on LeBron James for most of his career, is very good at on, on analysis, is on multiple podcasts I listen to, and is a very good writer in general. Writes really good long form as well as, mm-hmm. you know, just more commentary, game-by-game stuff. And he said something maybe not so positive about Draymond Green's play in a certain game or or something like that. Um, well, he was talking about the um, uh, Draymond Green and 
disagreeing with uh, the referees which, on calls. Okay, which he is f- almost famous for at this point. He's yeah. a very, a very uh, loud and and uh, assertive personality mm-hmm. and player, and that's part of his game. That's how part of how he operates. Yeah. So, uh, Windhorst must have thought that this was a negative to his team or just a negative in general, something not to be cheered on. And Draymond Green, when asked about it the next day, said, keep my name out your mouth, no neck. Mm-hmm. Implying that Brian Windhorst doesn't have a neck, you know. Yeah, because of his weight. Assuming because of his weight, which yeah. he is not a thing. Well, man. I don't think we need to assume. I think that's that's that's, that's, that's why he said it. We don't have to assume. Yeah. Uh, Draymond was being a dick by saying this. He, uh, you, you know, you should never comment on somebody's physical appearance when what they're when, when that's not even a topic of conversation especially if it's going to be something so you know mean and just mean-spirited and just unnecessary absolutely um, it wasn't a valid response to what brian Windhorst said which is a which is thought out and articulate criticism yeah. of draymond green so there's kind of you know that other side of just the more traditional you know microphone in your face what's your comment you know post game then the you know younger player Joel Embiid Instagram afterwards kind of clowning on some guys yeah you know it depends on your take on the sport and how long you've been an athlete and how long you've been alive really because I think I take a lot from my dad who is like a little bit of a traditionalist when it comes to sports you know speak with speak with your play you know um, mm-hmm. always always shake shake everyone's hand after the game and say good game but you know when when it when the when the whistle blows it's game time. Um, and so we also have an article here of other famous uh, athletes, social media fails, yeah, or uh, or incidents that um, that you know it's it's a perfect listicle for our purposes here. Um, so number one on that one, we'll just go through these quickly. I can yeah. give you some background if you don't know about them, but we can just laugh about them and keep moving. D'Angelo Russell's Nick Young Snapchat video. Have yeah, you heard about the it? Iggy Azalea. Yeah, the yeah. Iggy Azalea thing. It, I mean, that's old news from about a year ago or so. It's pretty famous. Everyone should know about it. But it's just basically posted a Snapchat of um, Nick Young, who's an older player, admitting that he'd slept with other women since he'd been engaged to or dating his then-girlfriend, Iggy Azalea, obviously a famous uh, artist. Yeah. Um, just general, not a good thing to do, whether or not you're a pro athlete. Not a great thing. And not a good friend move. To post that yeah. as well. Oh, even if you're a normal person, it's it's then again, you know, is is uh is D'Angelo Russell the one at fault here? We could go way into this. It was it was a fun I'll tell you one thing, thing though, to go I am, the rumor mill. I am going to write a movie script based on this. Good. Because there's been plenty of movies where it's like I found out my, you know, friend is cheating on my other friend. I'll and, edit it for you. You know, yeah. But we just put a basketball twist on it. Yeah. And then I'll sell it to Hollywood for $1.5 million. That could work. Romantic comedy. Number two is Carlos Martinez and his Twitter like button. Yeah, this is a real Ted Cruiser. He just, uh, oh, yeah. man. Many pornographic tweets I'm reading. He, he, he continually hit the like button on many pornographic tweets. Um, there's a Deadspin story about it. That, that, that is a, there's a disclaimer that says the Deadspin story is very not safe first, for work. First of all, I don't know who follows like pornographic like like social media accounts. Like who's like uh These are older people. I need to follow the Pornhub, you know, Twitter feed oh, or something, you know. It's just the Twitter, it's just yeah. internet. You just go and yeah. follow whatever you want. But I want to know the latest like, breaking like video news from uh, you know, a porn site. Like I don't know. Oh, That's man. weird. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, number four is Laramie Tunsil and the horrible, terrible, no good, very bad draft day. Um, Laramie Tunsil oh, yeah. uh, had a really bad draft day in, I believe, 2016 when um, a video of him smoking something out of a gas mask was tweeted out from, tobacco. from his own account. Tobacco. Yeah, of course it was tobacco. tobacco. I mean, who would, you know, who would smoke anything other than tobacco out of a mm-hmm. gas mask? Because we all know we love, love taking huge hits of that, that, that old Carolina, Carolina original. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want another funny gas mask moment, watch uh, CNN uh, New Year's Eve coverage when they send that poor, poor reporter to Denver. That she's was in actually the, great. She's in the limousine with the gas mask, and like she literally, they're like it. trying. Uh, she, well, they she was uncomfortable, to, but yeah, she was she was happy. She was like, you know, it's better than uh, other places they could have sent me. That's but, true. Like, but yeah, they were kept like, yeah, just put the gas mask on, take a hit, and she's like, ha, ha, I'm a CNN reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Next on the list is Monty Teo's fake girlfriend, uh, which I don't know if you heard about this. this yeah, I remember the story. He was a Notre he? Dame linebacker. Yeah. He was very good. I think he was like people were saying he was in the Heisman. Um, yeah. you know, race, but he just had like a fake social media girlfriend, like, yeah, like a woman that he thought was real that he connected with on social media yeah. who ended up being fake. Yeah, dude just got catfished. Here's a yeah, here's a thing. Uh, don't talk about your uh girlfriend, boyfriend, you know, whatever until you've met them in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's best yeah. not to, you know. I get it. We you count know count your eggs before they hatch. Yeah. Is that, is that the phrase? I believe it is. Yeah, no one, like, matches with someone on, like, a dating app and then is like, yeah, we have our first date, uh, you know, Thursday with my new girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, number seven on this list is uh, a Lance Armstrong flub. Oh, he, uh, when he put out his number, right? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he thought he was DMing somebody, and yeah. my man Lance was, was posting a, a tweet that said, hey, you bet. Happy to help. Call my cell, mm-hmm. 778-384-7520. And I, I list that number out because I'm I'm nearly positive that he there's no way he uses this number anymore. So I, I hope yeah. I'm not stepping on your toes there, Lance. But this was in 2012, so yeah, no, we're probably got... okay. I just I, I do wish I knew what he meant was with the happy to help and uh, give out the number. I, you know, you always wonder what. Yeah, happy to help. Post, post scandal, Lance Armstrong. So, uh, J.R. Smith had a very similar incident, yes. sending a DM that he, or, or sending out a tweet that he thought was a DM. Um, Cleveland basketball player, J.R. Yeah, Smith. Cleveland, now Cleveland basketball player, J.R. Smith, was a Nick at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, Kevin, do, can, do you have the, the details on this one? I don't, it says, oh, no, 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 okay. It says, there's a message from one of his fans. It says, I'm going to your game tonight. Oh, JR, this is JR the... JR replies, dope. <laughs> Reply from the fan, who thankfully in this article, that I'm, this Deadspin article I'm reading is, is all blurred out. Just the smiley face with, you know, like the red blushing. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. And then JR responds, oh, really? <laughs> to uh, an emoji? <laughs> to an emoji. <laughs> oh, really? He took a lot, a lot from that emoji. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so his fan replies, oh, really what? Smirky face, mm-hmm. which is telling. And then, and I quote, J.R. Smith replies with, you trying to get the pipe? Oh. <laughs> oh. That's, that oh. is poorly handled. 
Uh, and okay, so I was wrong before. I said that this was a tweet that that was supposed to be a DM. No, it is just an actual DM, but it mm-hmm. got leaked or, mm-hmm. or sent out by this woman he was messaging. And I feel like there are more eloquent ways to say, "Would you like to have intercourse with me?" than to say, "You trying to get the pipe." Mm-hmm. Not to say that uh, one should be seeking I'm just intercourse a- with relatively random people mm-hmm. on Twitter. If that's your game and, you know, mm-hmm. re- respect on all sides, then then uh, go for it. I just know now to never uh, message J.R. Smith that I'm, I'm going to go in your game tonight. Even if you are going to one of J.R. Smith's games, yeah. I recommend you do not tell him. Yeah. Hey, I- I'm uh, going to, uh, you know... You know, I'm, I'm going to see you tonight at your uh, big presentation at the economics uh, panel. You want the pipe? <laughs> <laughs> you trying to get the pipe, Kev? Trying to get the pipe. <laughs> um, all right, and then the last one, the most, uh, probably the most vulgar, I'd say, um, is a Ray Allen. It's another tweet that was supposed to be a DM. I don't think I know this one. Um, this one is the most uh, NSFW, I'd uh, say. Uh, in 2009... So if you're under the age of 18, please stop listening yeah, now. Yeah, don't listen. And we, we can't really enforce that, but just don't listen to this. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be a direct message, but um, Ray Allen sent this message to someone. I don't even know if I want to read it. Can, can it, you okay. show it to me? I, this is bad podcasting. Yeah, it's not good podcasting, but basically uh, it seems as though... Um, Ray Allen was sexting someone, mm. but on Twitter. It's not a picture, and I don't know exactly what the, the nomenclature is here, but I think sexting is when you're saying, you know, sexually suggestive things via text. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not sending s- pictures of yourself. It's, so he says, I'm getting there. Mm. When you fill in the blank, think about my tongue or your fill, fill in the, the blank. blank. And switching back and forth from my blank to my tongue. Mm. You know. Cool. Not something you want everyone to hear. Yeah. No, no, no. So that we're, we're going to call it there as far as uh, NBA social media mishaps. We're going to fill, you can fill in the blank of our commentary and jokes. Yeah, uh, and if anybody else out there has any good mishaps, any good ridiculousness, please always, you know, send them to the, us. Um uh, Again, kicking and streaming pod at yeah. gmail.com or uh, all ears to our listeners, the, mm-hmm. the dozens of you out there. Um, Have you ever had a uh, social media mishap? Personally? Yeah. Actually, once I was managing the social media um, account for one of my former employers, and uh-huh. some I, I, there was an article about a Red Sox Yankees game. And someone tweeted something in response to the article that I didn't particularly agree with. And I responded right to that person. Uh, I, I responded right after their tweet. And then I realized that I wasn't tweeting as myself. Ooh. I was tweeting as, I'm not, I don't want to say it because I, I don't, they don't listen to this podcast, but it's just embarrassing. Uh, the company that I worked for and ran their social media account. But let's, let's say, they were really trying to maintain a family-friendly brand image. And my it response to this Red Sox was fan not fam- was not family-friendly. It was, you, fill in the blank. <laughs> I want Red you Sox to piece of fill, fill in the, the blank. blank. <laughs> you can go to fill in, in the, the blank. blank. 
and <laughs> go fill in, fill the, in the blank yourself. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. You fill in the blank, fill in the blank. Anyway, we're running pretty long here, but Kevin has one. Oh, what more. time are we at right now? We are at um, roughly an hour and ten minutes. Wow. Um, yeah. So next week, um, I think I want to because this is a very like long discussion. Okay, so we're gonna save this for next week. We'll yeah. table it. Uh, and plus, we got plenty of time too. I want to get into a conversation about the Academy Awards and how I think uh, this is the year that the best films will not win. Ugh. And I think it really. We'll go into like how uh, the Academy Awards is less about what deserves to win um, and what the storyline is. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of a it's a PR game. And I want to go into about how uh, if Roger Deakins does not win Best Cinematography this year for Blade Runner twenty forty nine, I might you know flip a table at the Oscars party I'm at or like freak out because I really think. Uh, he needs to win this year, or there's something going on. Blade Runner 2049 was a uh, a really beautiful movie. And Which we saw may, together. We did see together. It may not have been an amazing movie 100% across the board, but it, you can't deny that it was that it was beautiful. And uh, Roger Deakins does have like a, a long... He has 14 nominations and no wins. So, Which is a travesty. Yeah, and we'll get into you know the movies he was in and why he... Uh, it's uh, some BS that he hasn't won yet. Well, we'll we'll just call it there. I want to thank you again, uh, Kevin. It was great. This week was. Uh, this I was so fun. enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, we went all over the place. We brought in some things that we had talked about offline, if you mm-hmm. will, um, and had a great time. It's a little long, but uh, I hope we brought some people all the way to the end here. And uh, if thanks you made for sticking it, with us. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, thanks for continuing to listen, and uh, we hope you come back. We'll talk to you guys later. See you next time at So Undercover. Yeah. I'm so undercover.